This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Ten years ago, I worked as a fact checker and a screener at a public radio station. My job was to make sure that the information that reached listeners was true and verifiable, and I was very good at it. The day the radio station closed, I took home a single box of files destined for the incinerator. I've remained its sole custodian ever since. There's a reason I saved this one box, and there's a reason no one else has ever seen its contents. These were America's lost stories. These were the stories that didn't pass muster with our less intrepid fact-checkers, those who would dismiss the unusual and impossible out of hand. These stories died in darkness, forsaken, forsworn, and forgotten. Forgotten, that is, by everyone but me. My name is Richard Niles, and these are the stories of the American Beyond. Tonight, I'll be digging into a file labeled The Face. On June 8, 2015, Henry Watkins of Norman, Oklahoma, woke in the dead of night, overcome with the urge to use their toilet. He stumbled from the bed he shared with his wife, Tracy Watkins, to their adjoining master bath, where he sat down and relieved himself. This perfectly routine activity took an unusual turn, however, which Henry detailed in an on-camera interview with a local news station. I reached for the toilet paper, Watkins said, and immediately knew something was off. The roll felt soft and wet, like it was chewed up. We have a dog that likes to eat the teepee sometimes, so I'm thinking he got to it. I reached over, hit the light switch, and the first thing I noticed, there was blood on the switch, blood on my fingers. I was trying to figure out where it was coming from, and I look over at the toilet paper, and so long as I live, I will never forget what I saw. Never. And what was that? The on-camera reporter asked. It was a face, Watkins replied. It was a human face. Watkins was neither hallucinating nor exaggerating. First responders to Watkins' 911 call discovered what one officer described as, quote, something out of a horror movie, unquote. To be precise, the epidermal layer of a human face, very recently removed from persons unknown, had been left hanging from the toilet paper roll in the Watkins master bath, no more than 10 feet away from where they peacefully slept. Investigators were initially baffled. They questioned how a hypothetical intruder could enter the Watkins residence undetected by either the Watkins themselves or their sharp-eared golden retriever. Another puzzle, how did said intruder enter and exit the home? There was no sign of forced entry, and while the human remains in the Watkins master bath were fresh enough to drip grew onto the tile floor below, no other traces of blood were found within the home. Outside, detectives discovered a single spatter on the backyard patio, one inch in diameter, three feet back from the door. The circumstances surrounding the incident were so bizarre, officers on the scene took contemporaneous notes indicating skepticism regarding the Watkins' account of what happened, despite no apparent evidence of their direct involvement. In fact, hours later, 
investigators were in the process of obtaining a warrant to dig up the Watkins' backyard when another 911 call was received. This one placed two miles away outside a local grocery store by Tara Clemens, age 24. A transcript of Clemens' 911 call reads, 911, what's your emergency? Hi, I need to report an injured man. I think he was in an accident. You said there's been an accident? I don't know. I'm in the parking lot, and there's a guy who looks really hurt. He's, like, stumbling around and talking to himself, and I think his head is bleeding. Okay, what parking lot are you in? I'm in the parking lot of... Address redacted. And you said the man is bleeding from his head? And it notes here there's some unintelligible chatter, and then she continues. I think so. At first I thought it was mud, but... Oh my god, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's bleeding. Maybe pretty bad. Are you sending someone? Yes, ma'am. An ambulance is on the way. Can you talk to him? I didn't I didn't really want to get close. I'm alone and... You know, I don't know. He seems off. There's a bit more unintelligible chatter. And then the dispatch says, Okay, ma'am. Someone will be there soon. He's coming this way. He's approaching you? More unintelligible chatter. And then... She says, Yeah. Are you okay? Are you... At this point, Tara Clemens screamed and ran for 12 seconds. When she stopped inside the nearby grocery, she was panting and sobbing. His face is gone! She screamed. His face is gone! Oh my God! His face is gone! First responders arrived at the grocery parking lot to find the wounded man still there and, consistent with Tara Clemens' 911 call, they found him to be, quote, unsteady, rambling, incoherently, and suffering from a profound injury to his face, unquote. He was restrained and taken by ambulance to a local hospital where medical examiners confirmed the epidermal layer of the injured man's face had been completely removed via what they described as, quote, apparent aggressive self-mutilation. The unidentified man ultimately succumbed to his injuries and was pronounced dead later that afternoon. The origin of the face found at the Watkins residence was thus determined, even as numerous questions remained unanswered. Who was this man? Why did he commit such harm to himself and then leave the results in the Watkins home? As the investigation into these questions began in earnest... Henry and Tracy Watkins attempted to move on with their lives, the best they could. Their efforts to do so were impeded, however, by fairly standard signs of post-traumatic stress, as detailed in multiple posts to Tracy's personal blog. Tracy Watkins' blog entry, June 12, 2015. As some of our close friends already know, Henry and I experienced a horrifying break-in several nights ago. I've been advised not to go into details while it's being investigated, but suffice to say, it's been very difficult for both of us. We're both safe, but currently staying at a local motel until we're comfortable returning home. Please keep us in your thoughts and prayers. Tracy. Tracy Watkins' blog entry, June 14th, 2015. Thanks to everyone who has reached out to check on us. We're still at the motel for now, but expect to return home in the next few days. 
The last week has been very difficult for both of us. I've had nightmares about someone in our bedroom every night. And even though Henry has put on a brave face, I can tell he's still shaken up over what happened. I hope sleeping in our own bed will help, but I also worry it will make things worse. I guess we'll see. Tracy. Tracy Watkins, blog entry, June 17th, 2015. Last night was our first night home since the incident. We slept with the lights on. Or I guess I should say, Henry slept with the lights on. I didn't sleep at all, and instead ended up watching old sitcoms all night while Henry slept on the couch nearby. I'm glad he's getting some rest, but I can tell he's still bothered because he's avoiding our bathroom where the incident happened. Still, it's mostly nice to be home. Love to everyone. Tracy. Tracy Watkins, blog entry, June 24th, 2015. Hi, everyone. I've been trying to get back to everyone who's reached out to us in the past couple of weeks, but here's an update for anyone I've missed. Henry and I are doing well, all things considered. I've been talking to a therapist, and I'm trying to get Henry to see one. Last night, I had my first solid night's sleep since the incident. Thanks, medication. Henry seems to be doing better as well. Uh, He went to the bathroom in the master bath yesterday for the first time since we've been home, so he's definitely doing better. But he'd kill me if he knew I wrote that, so don't say anything. LOL. Thanks again to everyone who has comforted us during this trying time. Upward and onward. Tracy. Tracy Watkins, blog entry June 25th, 2015. Spoke too soon. Henry woke up screaming tonight. It took an hour to calm him down, and he never went back to sleep. Please keep him in your thoughts. Tracy. Tracy Watkins blog, June 29th, 2015. Does anyone know a good therapist for PTSD? Asking for Henry. Bless, Tracy. In an apparent bid to move on and return to some semblance of normalcy, Henry went back to work at the accounting firm with which he'd been employed for nine years. He also, at Tracy's urging, began seeing Dr. Rachel Addison a therapist specializing in post-traumatic stress disorder. Dr. Addison asked him to keep a journal of his dreams and any, quote, frightening or confusing thoughts he may have. The following represents a portion of these, handwritten in a small notepad. Henry Watkins, journal entry, July 2nd, 2015. Not sure what to write here. Someone left a human face hanging from the toilet paper in our bathroom. It bothered slash still bothers me. Who wouldn't be bothered by that? This is supposed to help, but really I think I'm fine. Just need some time. Henry. Henry Watkins, journal entry, July 3rd, 2015. Dr. Addison wants me to write down my dreams when I can remember them, so here goes. Last night I dreamed I was in the bathroom, taking a shower, and then the lights went out. I got out and I tried to turn them back on, but the light switch didn't work. I realized there was someone in the bathroom with me, tried to leave, but the door wouldn't open. Then, whoever it was started talking to me, but I don't remember what they said. Then I woke up. Henry. Henry Watkins, journal entry, July 5th, 2015. Dream. Faces here, in the walls, in the ceiling, talking, listening. Can see it when shadows bend inward, 
Hear it when sound collapses. It hides in the day. It doesn't hide at night because it is the night, forever screaming black. Directly below that entry was another, evidently written later that morning. It reads, Holy expletive. Don't remember dreaming this or writing this. May take Dr. Addison up on sleep pills after all. Yikes. H. Three days later, Henry wrote a short journal entry consisting of a single sentence. All I want to do is sleep, but every time I sleep I see the face. One day after that, Tracy received a call from Henry's employer asking her to come pick up her husband. Amid concerns, that he may have been intoxicated or under the influence of an illegal substance. Henry's employer did not give Tracy any details regarding the reasoning behind this, and so she first assumed he'd been adversely affected by a medication prescribed to him for insomnia. An internal incident report recovered via court order, however, reveals something very different. Incident report, July 9, 2015, regarding Henry Watson... Employee ID number redacted. On July 9, 2015, Henry Watkins reported to work appearing disheveled and distracted. As Mr. Watkins was widely known to have recently experienced a traumatic event at home, he was advised that he may take the day off if he felt it would be beneficial to his continuing recovery. Mr. Watkins became agitated and expressed a desire to remain at work, citing a backlog of work he felt compelled to catch up on. Mr. Watkins was advised that his health was the company's primary concern and was again given the choice to take the remainder of the day off with pay. Mr. Watkins refused and assured management he was in good spirits despite notable evidence to the contrary. Mr. Watkins returned to his desk where he continued working until approximately 11.30 a.m., at which point other employees raised alarms over what they described as Henry's increasingly erratic behavior. This behavior was reported to include emotional outbursts, talking to himself, drawing bizarre symbols on a communal whiteboard, throwing multiple items across a conference room, and stapling a fish from the office aquarium to a set of documents intended to be presented to a high-value client. Mr. Watkins' wife was called, and he was placed on administrative leave pending investigation. End of report. Tracy Watkins was unaware of the severity of Henry's workplace behavior, but that night posted a short entry on her blog. Tracy Watkins' blog entry, July 9th, 2015. Something is wrong with Henry. I don't know what to do or who to talk to, and I'm scared for him. Please pray for him. That night, Henry wrote an entry in his journal. It was several pages long, but almost entirely illegible. A series of words and symbols inconsistent with any documented written or spoken language. It was also the last night Tracy Watkins would ever lay eyes on her husband. She didn't know it at the time, but it was a situation all too familiar to another woman several states away named Lily Teller. Seven years earlier, Lily Teller's husband, Michael Teller, owned and operated a number of furniture stores across southern Alabama. Then, in the summer of 2008, he attended a weekend convention of small business owners in Las Vegas. 
To this date, it is unknown exactly what happened to Michael Teller in Las Vegas. Although his wife would later tell investigators he came back from the trip, quote, not himself, unquote. She described him as quiet, distracted, almost in shock. She said over time, this strange indifference subsided, replaced with extreme mood swings and paranoia before Michael quickly collapsed into aural and visual hallucinations. All of this, Lily Teller reported, happened over a span of a month, culminating in her husband's sudden disappearance. According to a report she filled with local police, on the morning of August 3rd, 2008, Lily Teller woke up to find the bed she shared with her husband empty. This was not unusual, she said, except he had left his watch, his wallet, and his keys on his nightstand. She became further alarmed, particularly given Michael's recent behavior, when she found the back door to their home left open, prompting her to call the authorities and report him missing. The police, however, were unable to locate Michael Teller. The FBI fared no better, nor did Robert Stack in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. In fact, so far as we know, Michael Teller was not seen again by anyone, anywhere, until he re-emerged in Norman, Oklahoma on the morning of June 9th, 2015, after, for reasons unknown, leaving his own dismembered face in Henry and Tracy Watkins' master bathroom. Michael's behavior and motivations have never been explained, and if his whereabouts during those lost seven years have ever been discovered, they have never been disclosed. It took just over a month for federal agents to realize the long-missing Michael Teller had been found by way of Tara Clemens' 911 call. And when they did, they reached out to Henry and Tracy Watkins. Tracy answered their call and informed them that she had not seen her husband in three days. She told them she had woken one morning to find Henry gone, without a trace. She unknowingly echoed Lily Teller's own story, telling them Henry had disappeared overnight, concerningly leaving behind such essentials as his smartphone, car keys, and wallet. The back door was left wide open, Tracy Watkins stated. It was like he simply walked out and never looked back. To date, Henry Watkins has not been seen or heard from again, making it easy to assume he's lost forever, possibly even dead. But what if he's not? What if, like Michael Teller before him, he's still out there, living somewhere outside of public view, waiting to emerge again at some unknown point in time, waiting, unseen and unheard, biding his time in the American beyond. Today's episode was produced by Justin Yandel and Chris Vanderkay. Funding was provided by a generous grant from the Anatomy of a Scream Foundation. I'm Richard Niles. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The American Beyond, a fiction podcast. Join us again next time. The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.